Hello, I'm Stan Copeland, the pastor of Lovers Lane United Methodist Church, and I am privileged to work with my colleague, Dee Dee Jones, who's an associate pastor here. And um, I'm going to interview you today, Dee Dee. And nervous all at the same time. Excited and nervous? <laughs> well, we call our uh, show The Hope Connection. Mm-hmm. And so today I want us to talk about hope, and I want to ask you a question. Okay. Okay. When was a time when you really needed hope? Can you take us there? Hmm. I think uh, to this day, that story would be um, when I was at the peak of my career in music. I had signed a record deal when I was 14, and so I was trucking along doing it my way. That's mm-hmm. what I tell everyone. And um, in that that place, I got really sick, could not get over it. Hmm. I kept getting sick and kept getting sick and could not get over it to the point where at one point um, I couldn't get up. Hmm. I couldn't move. And my parents had to transport me to uh, by ambulance to a hospital where— hmm. And all of this, you know, all of a sudden you go from everything's okay to it's not. Hmm. And um, I just remember, barely remember, but I remember a surgeon walking over to the bedside in the ER and he said, you have this huge mass and we don't know what it is in your lung, but if we don't do something, you have about 24 hours to live. Wow. And so um, in that process um, with my mom and my dad and I sitting there, I mean, Stan, I was fine a week prior to this. Hmm. And a week later, I'm sitting in this place of just feeling like I'm living someone else's nightmare. I'm living what I have seen a million times. Hmm. I'm living out all of those stories that I had heard. And all of a sudden, the doctor is saying, no, really, we're serious. One side of your, your x-ray is white. The other side is completely dark. And we have no idea what is going on. You're too young for anything that, yeah. that should be going on. And we can't figure this out. They run fungus tests. They run bacteria tests. They can't find it. They do anostentesis is how they said it, where they, they put a needle in and they drain the lung. And, and I, I look down and they drain about 16 ounces of fluid off mm-hmm. my lung. That's just infection, but it's not enough. Mm. And the doctor said, here is what is happening in your life is you are suffocating from the inside out, mm. literally. And um, your lung infection has solidified to the lung cavity. So we're going to have to go in and remove part of that lung and the infection. And when we do, you're never going to sing again. Wow. And my whole life changed. Mm -hmm. And your mom was a singer, too. My mom was a singer, too. Yeah, a very famous singer, I might add. Yes. Hall of Famer. Good one. Yeah. And so good. What What did she have to say to you in that time? Oh, wow. Mom, I, I woke up with my mom singing to me. Mm. But I remember her when the doctor said that to me. Her quote, I remember it. She said, listen, you get her body well and you don't worry about the rest. Mm. We're going to pray. And we know that God has got this. And I'm like. I just looked at her. I remember thinking, oh, goodness. But he was the sweetest, the sweetest doctor. But she wasn't letting up. And every day 
that I was in that hospital room, she was on her knees, mm-hmm. right up against a chair praying. And my dad would sit on the other side of me and he would just keep his arm right there on my shoulder. Mm. And he would just pat me and pray. And sometimes I'd look down and big old tears would come down dad's face. And um, I really didn't know what was going to happen. And the only thing, the only thing I had was hope. I felt like I didn't have anything else. Because everything that I had worked for, I knew since I was two years old, I was going to be a singer. And I knew somehow I was going to do it for Jesus. And I didn't know what that would mean. And now all of a sudden, I don't have that anymore. I I didn't know anything else but to prepare my life to do that. And now I have to think that this is over. Mm. (laughs) What do I do with that? So the only thing I'm holding on to is hope. You know, back uh, years ago, decades ago, there was a bumper sticker I remember it from my youth, actually. It said, I found it. And it was a Christian bumper sticker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was promoting that you had, uh, you know, f- found God. And uh, and that had been a, a, a change in your life. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you depict that change by putting a bumper sticker on your, your car. <laughs> okay. And that's all like all right it. and good. Yeah. But, you know, there's a sense in which that we don't find God as much as God finds us. Mm-hmm. We don't find grace as much as grace finds us. I'd even say we don't find hope as much as hope finds us. And then we're aware that mm-hmm. it's not all about uh, our action or our finding or our hoping but it's about God's action of God mm-hmm. finding and God um, basically revealing the goodness of hope to us. Can you relate to that in, in, in your story about uh, what it felt like for God to uh, or for hope to find you? Absolutely. I, I think in that moment I realized and, and, and I had read it, but I had never experienced it. Mm-hmm is knowing that God is constantly pursuing us. And that's how that hope finds us, Mm -hmm. is that God doesn't let go of us. And and I think in those moments of darkness or, or, or whatever we're experiencing, I think we think we have to go find something in order for this to be okay, whatever this is. And we discover we don't have to do anything because God is constantly pursuing, running after us. And when I realized that, that's how I found that hope. Yeah, we can be flat on our backs and not have an answer, not know where to turn. That's right. And and like your mom was saying, you know, she was uh, asking that doctor to do what he could, his part, and that... Uh, y'all were going to trust God for the rest and put your hope in God and what God would reveal and what God would do mm-hmm. in that situation. Mm-hmm. And it, and, it, and it's one of those things where I will say that that hope didn't just happen for me in that moment. I, I even remember the night before surgery because nothing was working. So they finally said, OK, we're going to have to go in and we're going to have to remove this. Mm-hmm. And. I remember laying there the night before and my mom and my dad were sitting right there and we had the best night. 
We were laughing. We were telling stories. We were remembering funny jokes. We mm. were we were just we were we were talking about the goodness and how we had seen God. And I even remember the nurse had given me sleeping pills to let me you know get me to sleep right. so I'd be ready early morning surgery. And it wasn't working <laughs> because I was not excited or nervous, but because I was at peace. Yeah, that's neat. I was at peace and I was just like, I'm really okay. And I looked at him and I said, I'm not, I'm not an anxious. I'm really, really okay. And he's like, well, but you still need rest. So uh-huh. if you don't get to sleep, I'm going to come back in here. And I said, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And that's the last thing I really remember until I woke up after surgery. Do you remember the first time you sang after the I surgery? I do. I do. I, um, I had to, to do a really hard concert in an, a town called Jonesboro, Arkansas mm-hmm. at, uh, at, a, at a school there that had had something pretty tragic happen. Mm-hmm. And my dad had to drive me because I couldn't get on a plane yet because it was lung surgery. Right. So my dad drove me up there and um, I had to do it. Stan, I had to do it mm-hmm. for a million reasons, not just prove to myself, but I just, I felt like I was able, I was capable, I thought, and I was ready to do it. And I remember standing, it was an old school, high school gym where it was mm. the kind where you open the back doors and you step right onto the stage. Yeah. So I'm standing outside and there was this moment of, oh my goodness, this is this is either going to happen or it's not. Mm. It. it I didn't know what to expect. And I walked out onto the platform and I did it. It wasn't my best, but mm. I did it. Yeah. And I proved that the doctors were wrong. Mm. And there was something in that that was, you know, life changing for me. Because then literally a month later, I remember walking into my surgeon's office. And while I'm waiting on the surgeon to come into the room, two nurses walk in. And one of the nurses has tears in her eyes. And, of course, my immediate thought is, are you okay? And she said, I was your OR nurse. And she said, I didn't know if you were going to make it, and I just had to come see for myself. And she said, in seeing you where you are, she said, I just, I know that God is has done something she didn't even know what to say to me and I think even in that moment I didn't realize how sick I was until that happened was there a song um, that just had a new meaning to you that touched you in a new way after you had that ordeal absolutely there was two of them yeah one of them was great is thy faithfulness which is always been like I always call that my song right but it was all, it was elevated for me. Mm-hmm. And then interesting, interestingly enough, it was also I surrender all. Hmm. And I told mom, I said, when I get out, I'm going to sing that song. Like I've never sung that song before. And when I, when I woke up from surgery, my mom was singing that really? song to me. That was what she was singing. That's wow. what she was singing <laughs> to me all to Jesus. Yeah. You know, I surrender. I surrender. And I think from from that point, there's something that happens when we we know 
how to say the words. We've studied the words. We know the scripture. We, we know that it works out great for everyone else and then sometimes not so great for everyone mm-hmm. else. But when you experience it, yeah. it changes you. And, and it even changes in how you experience and see hope. Mm, yeah. You know, there's something about um, when we go through those real trying times, those times of suffering, um, and we do surrender all. We, mm-hmm. we just say, you know, this is beyond me, Lord, and I need your help. Mm. Um, uh, there's something about that, that suffering and that surrender that opens us up to a redemption and a real healing um, like um, we may have ne- never experienced before. Mm-hmm. And, and I, think, I think it's interesting because that hope has carried on for me all these years later mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah. And, you know, even in... in coming to to lover's lane and 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 the call that god would begin to work and continue Mm -hmm. and and it's funny because um right before my mom passed away we talked about that whole time of being in the hospital because it was a it was a journey and i'll never forget i said but you know mom i said um that hope has never let go Mm mm-hmm and that that peace has never let go from that moment of laying there right. and and i said and i'm 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 heading in an, a new direction and she's like oh no that's always been the direction hmm. it was just time for you to acknowledge it yeah and um so going into you know pastoral ministry and 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 having the opportunity to work here mm-hmm. at lover's lane um, that hope has continued on for me. Yeah. You know, I've said this to so many people before. Uh, when we got you to be our worship leader and singer, we knew we were getting a pro. We really did. Uh, there wasn't any question about whether you could lead us in that capacity in worship. Um, I also knew that you could preach. Anybody who could command the stage like you did and had the depth of theology that you had, um, I knew you could, you could preach. But I think perhaps the greatest gift that you have that in, empowers all of that is the gift that you have as a pastor. Mm. And there's no question in my mind that pastors who are pastors' pastors— uh, have experienced um, a kind of suffering uh, and been blessed by hope that empowers that aspect of your ministry. And I, you know, in hearing your story, I think, well, that's it. You know, that's why Didi is such a, a powerful pastor is because she's been in a place where she's needed that ministry. Or, um, and you have seen God in a way that you know. He's constantly pursuing mm-hmm. you. Yeah. You know, we say it, but mm-hmm. and you've experienced it too. We say it, but you, we can say it in a way that we know it's not fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this has been our reality. Right. You know, and, and our our reality is is that God has shown up. Yeah. Um and 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 it's funny because one of the stories that I would constantly think about when I was laying there is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
Mm-hmm. I loved that story as a kid, you know, with the felt board and we put them, put them up there in the fiery furnace. But the part that is the best part of that story for me is always the verse right before that says, even if, even if, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you throw us in, we're not, we're not going to bow down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that is, is, um, a story that has brought hope for me is knowing that, you know what, the outcome may not look like I want it to. That doesn't even mean that hope isn't existent mm-hmm. in that situation yeah, either. And it doesn't also mean that your healing is going to come instantly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a process. Yeah. And for me, it was, it was a process. And it was a process of me growing and knowing that even in the waiting, yeah. God is moving, God is working. Um, and I've, I've, I've enjoyed living and learning what that hope means. Well, I enjoy serving beside you at our church, and um, and and I thank you for sharing with us today, and thank you for being with us today. And maybe you can ask yourself the question: When has hope found you? And uh, Dee Dee, thank you so thank much you. for sharing with us, and uh, we'll see you uh, next time. And thanks again for being with us. Thank you.